Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Father, thank you that we can gather here in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that already, God, you've done so much in, in such a short space of time in a service like this. And we just thank you for family. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you that... Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you, like a lot of Joburg people, do a exodus out of Johannesburg over long weekends, then you missed the first one of this message, okay? So you can go to our website and you can go and download the full one. That is what it was entitled, Preparation and Neglected Priority. And I'm going to do a follow-up on that. But assuming that most of you are like typical Joburg people that do an exodus over a long weekend, I'm just going to quickly recap for you what, what that is, hopefully in five minutes. If I take longer than five minutes, just wait longer. Okay. Luke 12, verse 47 says, uh, The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. Now, there's, there's a lot of context in that scripture. Uh, and for time's sake, I'm not going to unpack that whole, that whole thing. Just, um, just a couple of points I highlighted out of, out of that scripture there is that there's a place of where we should know the will of the master. And then there's a place of where we get ready to do his will. And then there's a place of where we actually do it. Now, often the, the problem often in church... Um, and us not exempt from that is we run the risk of coming to church on Sundays and, and even reading Scripture only to hear, only to listen, and not to apply, not to go and do. And Scripture is very clear that if you are only hearers of the Word and not doers, you run the risk of deceiving yourself. You know, so um, there's a place of where we need to seek what is God's will. And then sometimes, depending on what it is, you need to kind of gear yourself to actually do it. Um, if it's, for example, if it's like a big kind of a thing, then there's, let's say you need to move to, Leighton, where are you going? Shanghai. If you need to move to Shanghai, there's a lot of things that you need to prepare before you actually do. If it is merely an instruction like, be still and know that I'm God, then the instruction is, Exactly that. You, you, you quiet yourself. And, 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 but sometimes it's difficult. Like, who of you find it difficult sometimes to just be quiet? <laughs> okay, some honest people. And <laughs> those that didn't put up your hands, it's okay. Um, all right, and, and that's the thing. And, and sometimes to be quiet, a simple instruction like be quiet, be still, you almost have to prepare yourself to be quiet. You need to actually put your phone on flight mode or out of the room or also prepare your children. Say, kids, I'm going to be alone now for anywhere between five and 60 minutes. Um, moms are like, what, 60 minutes? Um, but you need to actually do some, some sort of a preparation. And uh, we kind of went on to the scripture as well, 1 Peter 1. Verse 13 to 16 says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy also, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy as I am holy. And the picture of girding up your loins, there's a little diagram that I've used once or twice before. Um, it's a picture of, in, in, in biblical times, guys wearing dresses in the Middle East, they still do, and I think it's just because it's cooler. Uh, not, not cooler as in cool, funky, cool, um, as in colder. Um, all right, so that's, that's a picture of if you want to go to war, if you want to fight, if you want to work, if you want to run, you need to, in a sense, tuck your dress in, okay? <laughs> Gird up your loins so that you are prepared, ready to do that, okay? So another, another translation says that same scripture says, therefore preparing your minds for action, Okay, so there's the, it's, the, it's the image of where we actually mentally and sometimes physically or spiritually, we prepare ourselves to engage. Who of you have gone on a date? Gentlemen, don't put up your hands. Gone on a date and over your wife or your girlfriend's shoulder is a rugby game <laughs> on, on the screen. Who of you have struggled to engage be fully present. Yeah. yeah. I see one hand there, but uh, okay. <laughs> some of the ladies as well. Um, but but that, that's the thing. Of the, there are certain things we can do or not do that will allow us to actually be more present, be more fully engaged in the moment. All right. So what I started with last time is to talk, Henny, Henny and I, when we talk about discipleship, we often talk about the balance between an upwards, inwards, and an outwards relationship. Upwards with God, inwards with community, and outwards toward the world. Okay, we, we got, came, came up with a little bit of a definition for discipleship, meaning gospel transformation. Okay, it's the gospel that transforms us. In community, for witness, outwards, and worship, upwards. Okay, so I spoke last time, I spoke extensively about the upwards preparation when we meet with God. Often we, a lot of us are just glad that we made it to church this morning. Some of you? Yes. Um, especially if you, if you have children and you need to get them ready and you need to three or four or five times tell them, do this, do that, do that. You just, you're just glad that you arrived. And, uh, it's, and we are thankful that you made it this morning. I'm not dissing that, okay? What I'm just saying is that if you want to engage more, be more fully present and more engaged with what God is saying and doing, it will go a long way with preparing yourself beforehand. We have our fourth in our encounter series is called Liberty. And um, it, it, it's a lot about deliverance and so on. So the Monday evening we have a preparation session. And in preparation during the week, the participants fast for 36 hours. And then the Friday evening and the Saturday is a lot of worship. And we go, and it's amazing how we encounter God and encounter the presence of God in moments like that. And I said, imagine if we actually fasted every week just for the Sunday service. Our, our anticipation and our expectation to come together in the presence of God would kind of be up there. Um, so I'm not saying fast every week, okay? Some of you are like, no, please don't. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that. 
Um, you can have breakfast every day, okay? All right. Anyway, all right, so we looked at specifically the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 to 134 is generally known as the Psalms of Ascent. And the, and the Jews used to, when they went to Jerusalem to worship, they used to sing those psalms and recite those psalms um, as they go up to Jerusalem to worship because the temple was in Jerusalem. You can imagine if you travel for a few days and going through a whole lot of reminding yourself of who God is and you actually arrive at the temple, you've got some sort of an expectation. Okay? So that's a lot of what we looked at with regards to um, preparation upwards. But it's, it's the same for when we have quiet times. Most of us, and I include myself with that, we kind of come on a morning or on an evening, if you actually plan to have quiet time, to spend time with God, you come there and you're like, now what? Anybody relate to that? Am I the only one? Okay. And, and I believe that those times that you actually spend with God will be that much more effective if you actually just think about it a little bit. How can I best engage with the Word of God, worshiping God, praying? If we can just think a little bit about it, um, it'll go a long way. And then the other one is in, in Hebrews. I sent it to the leaders this morning, Hebrews 12. Help me out. Uh, where it says that consider how you may spur one another unto love and good deeds whenever you meet together. The same, same scripture says uh, not neglecting meeting, coming together, etc., Okay, so there's a place of where we can actually trust God. Let's think about how can we actually bless the person that's going to sit next to me in church today. Or a new person coming in. Or the person that's been here forever. Like myself. Um, like, how can we, like trusting God, Lord, what do you want to say to somebody here this morning? Meeting them in the parking lot or just a word or a word of encouragement. And, and coming back to the love thing is... We as a community should be a community of love. And if we see somebody else taking strain, you can either choose to ignore it or you can choose to engage um, and say, hey, how are you doing? I see you're not, you don't lick yourself. Um, we need to engage with one another in that sense. It's not just that I'm coming to church to receive my little piece and I'm going back home and that's, and that's it. Right, so preparing to meet each other. Okay, so now today the focus is a little bit more preparation outwards. Okay, shake somebody next to you. Tell them we prepared to go outward. Okay, so, so the title for today is Defending Your Faith Without Losing Your Mind. Okay. So the idea is if, if you're visiting here and, and you and you're kind of checking out the Christian faith, and you're not 100% sure about Christianity yet, don't switch off. Um, sometimes it's good to actually hear other people talk about some stuff that might actually answer, answer your questions. Okay, So just because I'm talking about defending your faith and you're not necessarily in the faith, doesn't mean it's not applicable to you. Okay, Listen, and, and maybe, maybe you, you get, get some answers to some of your questions. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not wanting to give you a pep talk on you having to outreach. I think a lot of us here, most of us here, want to actually reach the people around us, but we often don't really know how. Or how do we get the conversation going, at least? And, uh, and in our society, more and more, people 
don't want to talk about religion in the workplace, or, or they don't want to allow you to talk about it, or they stiff arm you. What does that mean? You know what's a stiff arm? It's, never mind. American football, rugby, the Samoans do that with rugby, okay? They come in with a, with a stiff arm, you do a backflip, and, and you lights out. So people do that with us when they, they give you this one-liner, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? And they, they don't say it to engage in a conversation with you. For example, um, people tend to rant and rave about the church. Ah, yeah, but the church is this. And then they move on. Or they say, um, they say the guys at work want to go for a drink. Oh, no, but you, you're a church guy or you're a Christian. You probably won't come with us. And then they, there they go. Before you could say anything, you're like, okay. And so they catch you off balance often a little bit. And the, and the idea here is to try and bridge that gap a little bit. You get that typically over Christmas or Easter when you're with your family. Where's Belinda? When you're with your family and there's, there's, this, there's this relative that always, like, he, he just pushes your buttons um, with saying stuff about Christianity or the church, the church, and... Um, or the Bible, uh, creation, or it can't be six, that, whatever. And they, they're not saying it necessarily to engage in a conversation. They're just saying it to kind of stiff arm you. <laughs> they're just saying it to... Uh, um, and uh, I want to give you just one or two tools in context like that, how to try and actually stiff arm them back. Okay, that's, not, that's not really what I... <laughs> Not really, but just to give you something um, in order to, to, to work with. Okay? Because they, they throw you off balance when they, when they say that. And then like, you get in the car and you're like, ah, I should have said that. Um, so I actually want to give you like, one or two responses that you can have kind of ready uh, when it's, when it's um, like that. So one of the questions, it's really what to say when there's little time or even less interest. Um, all right, so I, I, worked, I worked in corporate as well. I know the environment, worked with Muslims, I worked with Hindus, I worked with atheists, I worked with Christians, I worked with Christians that said that they were Christians but they didn't have a relationship with God. I, I had the whole spectrum. Um, and so, so I can relate to, to a lot of these responses. I, I remember there was one Hindu guy um, he, he, and another Christian guy that was, did not know Jesus. Um, and, and they would make fun and say, um, I don't think we should come to your church because if we walk into the building, it's going to burn down. <laughs> that's, that's one of those off-balance kind of questions. He's not asking a question. He's not saying something that he wants to know. So I've learned, and this is not really the point I'm trying to make, but I've learned how to engage in those conversations by not jumping to defense, but to ask him, why do you say that? Um, and then and then they're like, oh, well, isn't it a holy place? I'm like, well, maybe you should come, and then we test the theory. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. So I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to look in, at a couple of scriptures in the book of Peter. Now, Peter is one of the first I can't remember if he's the first or one of the first disciples that Jesus called to follow him. Okay, so G Peter, 
his first encounter with Jesus is that there's this, they, 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 they go and catch fish. They don't, have any, they don't catch any fish. Jesus arrives on the scene and says, hey, guys, throw, throw the net out one more time. And they have this miraculous catch of fish. And uh, they drag the net to the shore, and Jesus is like, come, follow me. And they've got this massive catch of fish, and, uh, and Peter says, okay, I'll follow you. And he goes and calls another couple of guys and says, uh, we found maybe the Messiah. Um, he's like, okay, well, I mean, that's big implications. Somebody coming to you say, follow me, you're leaving behind a lot of stuff. I mean, that you did, normally you did your father's trade. At least he left his father with a big catch of fish. Um, um, but... Then he, then he starts to follow, follow Jesus, and Peter is a very interesting um, character. Um, he's, he's, he's quite out there. He's quite radical. Uh, he, normally, he'd put his foot, he'd, he'd say something before he thought about it. Like, for example, for example the time that, that he walked on water, I'm, I'm sure he didn't think about his response before he asked it, because they were in a storm on, on a boat, and Jesus is walking past, and they freak out, ah, ghost. And Jesus is like, chill, guys, it's me. And, and Peter, Peter is like, if it's really you, then call me out also onto the water. And Jesus is like, okay, come. You can imagine his, his response. Um, and he's got 11 other guys, so there's peer pressure, there's this expectation. You've you, you, you got to do this. Anyway, so he's the guy walking on water and also sinking. And, um, and then, but he's also the guy that says to Jesus, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you goes and chops a guy's ear off in the process. And Jesus is like, no, that's not, that's not how we're going to do it. And, but he's also the guy that goes and denies Jesus three times. Right, at, right in the most critical, most critical time when, when Jesus was about to be crucified. Um, and then we pick it up that, that Jesus comes, he appears to them. Peter's, Peter's the guy that, that he went into the tomb when Jesus got resurrected. He, he, checked, he, he checked it out. There was an empty tomb. John, John writes, have you, have you noticed John writes always about the disciple that Jesus loved, okay, referring to himself. Um, and then in that case, in that specific story where John and Peter is on their way to the tomb, he writes, and the disciple whom Jesus loved outran Peter to the grave, but he did not go inside. And then Peter comes and he goes inside. All right. So that's, that's the same Peter that's writing, that's writing this book. And then what happens as well with Peter is after Jesus', after Jesus resurrection, he's already appeared to them. Now they go catch fish again. Him and six buddies go, guys, I'm going to go catch some fish. Go, go, go catch some fish. And uh, they go and they catch nothing. All through the night they catch nothing. Jesus appears on the shore. Um, and he shouts, hey, guys, have you caught anything? And they're like, no. And he says, throw the net on the other side. Okay, if you're a fisherman, the logic wouldn't make sense there. But he says, throw the and, and for some reason, they do it. They, scripture doesn't tell us why they do, they do it. They catch 153 fish. Somebody went through the effort of counting that fish and writing it in Scripture for us. Must have been an accountant. Um, so the moment that happened, John writes again, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is, I think he said, the master, it's the master, it's the Lord. Yeah, it's the Lord. What does Peter do? For some reason, he takes his cloak, puts it on, 
and then dives in. I, I don't know why you would put something on before you dive it in, but, but anyways, he did that. Okay, so he goes to the shore, and then they have breakfast. They co- he comes to the shore, and Jesus is already brying fish. You imagine that the other guys haven't brought the other 153 fish yet, but Jesus has already got bread and fish and brying. I'm just making you hungry or thirsty for, to go and read these stories, okay? It's actually very funny. Um, and Jesus is like, come, bring, bring some of that fish. Come, let's bry. Let's go, no bry. And, uh, right, so this is, where, this, this is the same Peter that's writing this, gospel, or th- this letter. Okay, we pick it up in 1 Peter 3, verse 13 to 15. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let me me give you something that what the Scripture is not saying, okay, He's not saying there that you need to defend the Bible. doesn't say that you have to have a theological degree. doesn't say that you have to have an answer for why is creation in six days legit or not. He's not saying that you need to know much. All it's saying there is the reason for the hope that you have. So, first of all, it's talking about the, that, that you have, talking about personal. You can't, you can't come in a, into a conversation with somebody and say, well, I believe Jesus is the Son of God because the pastor said so on Sunday. Or my mother is amazing and she follows Jesus. And she prayed for somebody to get healed and she got healed. You can't rely on somebody else's reason for their hope. So this leads me to the question is, what is your reason for your hope? And if you can distill that, you'll be able to give a response to anybody that asks you. Now, yes, there is going to be such circumstances where people want to be intellectually satisfied about, okay, but they've got legitimate questions about, okay, how does pain and suffering work? How does this or how does that, how does that work? Come to Bible school. Yes. Thank you. I, I, I said that about 10 times at Encounter 1 yesterday. It's like, I can't say that, but come to Bible school. Um, but the thing is, there's a place of where somebody can reason and argue with you about theory, but they can't reason and argue with you about something that you've legitimately experienced and are still experiencing. So my question is, what is the reason for your hope, and what makes you still have that hope? What I mean by that is, what is the first, in the first place, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what is the reason for your hope? Think back to that. But also, if you've, been, if you've been serving God for about 10 years, you can't live off 10 years ago's testimony. 
Relationship with God should be dynamic. It should be alive and active. It should be robust, in a sense. So, what is the hope initially, and what is your hope still today? Okay, so that's something for you to go and think about. Now, I want to give you a little bit of an insight into Peter's, Peter's kind of hope, his defense, um, the reason for the hope that he has. I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight to that, and I believe that there's an element of his defense that should be in our reason for our hope as well, and that is the resurrection. Nobody could come to Peter and tell him that Jesus did not resurrect from the dead. Number one, he saw the empty tomb, and number two, he saw Jesus after he got resurrected as well. So one of the biggest reasons for Peter, for the reason for his hope, is because he knows that Jesus is alive. And I believe that that should be a similar reason for us. And you can maybe say, yes, I, but my hope is because I got healed, therefore that has caused me to have hope. And I, and I agree with you, but you wouldn't have been healed if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Um, so whatever other reason you have, you should be able to link it to the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we would be dead. <laughs> okay, so let's read this one scripture where, where Peter actually, earlier in his letter, actually writes this. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's saying it very explicitly there. The living hope that we have is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then later on, I'm skipping a couple of verses, and verse 21 says, Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. So I believe our, the reason for our hope is an element of the reason for your hope should be linked to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that Jesus really raised from the dead, you have a problem. Because if you don't really, really believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then you also probably can't link it to Him being the Son of God. And that's the foundation of our faith. Okay, so I want to give you a little bit of an idea here. Back to that previous scripture, verse 15 and 16 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of your slander. Okay. In other words, don't stiff arm them. <laughs> okay. That's not the intention. Your intention shouldn't be to stiff arm them. I don't have a problem with throwing them off balance. Yeah. Um, like the thing is like, come to church and let's test the theory. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind throwing that out there, but I communicate it in a gentle, in a respectful way. And when I did articles, 
um, my first year, year and a half of articles, I, I built up quite a good reputation. So much so that I started managing audits from the, from the middle of my second year of articles. Um, and I want to say we as Christians, our work ethic should be the best in the company. I'm not saying you must be a doormat and you just be walked all over by your boss with everything. But I, I'm, what I'm saying is that everything we do, whether it is at work or whether it is at the garage when we're throwing in petrol, all of our conduct should speak about love. And when it comes to work, it should be done excellently. And the way that we relate to our bosses, even if they are coming down of you, on you unjustly, should be done in a respectful way. And we should, in that sense, also win their hearts over as well. Okay, and with a clear conscience, meaning, um, like, don't like even when, when, if it's work related, don't japo stuff for the sake of ah, you know what, my boss doesn't respect me anyway, so I'm not going to do this. Um, so let it always be with respect with gentleness, and always do it with a clear conscience. Obviously, there's more going on there. But let your good behavior uh, win them over. Um, and where the opportunity arises, then you, sh- then you actually share, share with them. Okay, so kind of here's, I want give to you, give you this linking resurrection to, to, your, to your reason for why you follow Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 says, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14 says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Um, and here's, here's, a, here's a thing that I, and that's why I love that one song also that we did about um, Jesus being risen. And uh, it says, you can say this with me. Well, I'll, let me read it for you, and then you can say it with me. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. People throw you off with a, with a comment. You reply them with this. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Full stop. Go on with your work. <laughs> um, they will be like, what? Um, okay, so obviously you can still fill in blanks after that. If they start conversing, then you can take it further. And uh, I'm, I'll come back and do, do a third on this and just, just give, you, give you a little bit more to, and I'll, I'm probably going to revisit pain and suffering as well as the Bible says so, kind of a question. Because people typically would interrogate you and say, yeah, but you believe it because the Bible says so. And even though there's an element of truth to that, um, there, it's, it's not as simple as that. And my response to that would be, um, I, I believe that Jesus rose from the, uh, died for my sin and rose from the dead. But not just because the Bible says so, it's better than that. And then you go make coffee. <laughs> you leave them hanging, especially if it's a relative that's been giving you grief for 10 years. They're like, just, uh, and, you, and you go on. It, uh, the thing is, You want to, especially when it comes to people that's not really open for a conversation. Um, it's a different story when people are open for conversation. Then you obviously you, 
you, you engage in the conversation and you take it further. And I'm going to come back and, and, and give you some, some more reasons for why you believe that, not just because the Bible says so, um, and we'll, I'll, I'll come back, but you can fill in your own blanks there. Why, why, why is relationship with Jesus a lie for you? Do you hear His voice? Have you, do, you experience, do you experience Him? Now, obviously, if, if it's a no, then the question arises, okay, either you are not in relationship with God to start off with, or you just have not yet learned how to hear His voice. You've committed your life to Jesus, but you're still discovering, how do I hear God's voice? Okay, so you kind of plot yourself wherever that is, um, and get yourself ready to act according to where you find yourself and where you feel God wants to move you to. Okay, Jesus says that I is the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And there's a place of where we should recognize His voice. And Scripture is one of the, one of the big ways of how He speaks to us. Um, and He won't contradict Scripture. Maybe we misunderstand Scripture sometimes, but He won't contradict what He's actually already said in His Word. So if you want to get to know God, get to know His heart, get to know His voice, study the Scriptures. Um, and I'm going, to come back to, I'm going to come back to the reason why, why not just because the Bible says so. It is the foundation of our faith, so I'm not knocking that. Just get, hear me right. I believe Scripture is key. I believe it's the Word of God. I believe it's inspired. But for people out there, they don't believe that, and they need a little bit more something. Now, other people often, they would use, how can a good God allow, and you, you can fill in the blanks. And I'm going to come back and revisit that just as a, just as a response to, to that. And uh, that's, that's, that's a whole sermon on its own, so I'm not going to go into that now. Um, but that is, that is one of the biggest things that out there, if, that, that's, that people struggle to get their heads around. Okay, but if there is God, then why does this happen? And it's really just a misunderstanding of this time and the space that we're in and a misunderstanding of who God is and how God operates. Um, well, we'll come back. We'll come back to that. Okay, just to wrap it up. It's important, remember, and, and I said this, this to the guys at Encounter One yesterday as well, when we spoke about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and so on, is that no matter what you do or don't do, your motive should be driven by love. Like the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes into a lot of detail about what the gifts are, how do we operate in that, and, and, and when you're coming together to worship, etc. Smack bang in the middle of that is 1 Corinthians 13, which is a chapter of love, a chapter about love. It says that if you can speak in tongues of men and angels and do all sorts of miraculous stuff, but you have not love, you're a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. Turn to somebody next to you and say, don't be a cymbal. <laughs> Not don't be simple, don't be a symbol. <laughs> okay. Okay, in conclusion, wrapping this up. Okay. So one thing we've learned is that preparation leads us to be fully present and fully engaged. Um, and that relates to our upwards, inwards, and outwards. If you do a little bit of preparation for any of those, 
is going to take you a long way. If you, if you go to work prepared with an answer, if somebody should ask or somebody should stiff arm you, <laughs> it will actually unlock the doors. Okay, but do it out of a place, out of a place of love. Okay, so get ready, be obedient and deliberate. Okay, gird up your loins, preparing your minds for action, and preparing uh, preparation outwards. Why have you chosen to follow Jesus? Okay, say this with me. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Okay, again, I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. But I don't believe it because the Bible says so. It's better than that. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.com. Thank you.